create with Fran Sydney. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. Today we are going to talk about how it's easy, very easy to become invisible and powerless in a relationship and how we can turn this around with the help of the expert in town, which is the... <laughs> how many qualifications have you got? You know, it's like, wait a minute, Maureen. So we have Maureen Kafkin. Kafkis, is that correct? Kafkis in the studio. Thank you for coming to the show. I'm very happy to have you. Thank you for having me, friends. It's um, good to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this topic that we're going to discuss. Yeah, that's going to be so good because you you worked for so many years with occupational therapy. That's your specialism. But now you are very focused on helping especially middle-aged women, not just, to overcome this sense of being powerless and invisible and not really remembering our purpose. So let, let's go back to the structure of my podcast, which is first, let's talk about the symptoms. How do we know we have a problem? What, what's going on in our life that we think... Hmm, I'm not really happy. I mean, this long-term relationship, I'm happy with my partner, but I notice, what do I notice? Okay, so, well, all right, so just to be clear, I work with men too, but for the topic that we're talking about today, it does seem much more prevalent for women, so I'm happy to focus on that. And the, the problem is, and I'm sure many of the people in your audience can relate to this, is when you've been together with a partner for a long time, and you're living your life and you're getting older, you just start to kind of lose your oomph, you know? It's like everything starts to get kind of flat. You sort of feel like something's missing, but you're not sure what it is because on the outside, you might have everything you need or you might not. But in my case, I did. It looked like I should be super happy and, and be content with my life, but I wasn't. And it was also, it's not just like being in a marriage for a long time, it's society too. The expectation is like all the big milestones and all the excitement happen to you when you're younger. You hear all these things about, you know, where are you going to go to college? When are you going to get married? Where are you going to buy your house? Then it's the grandkids and, you know, and it's all this stuff focusing on earlier in life. And it's what I call brain BS because it's not true. It's not. So it's all these things that you, you start to feel kind of mildly depressed and maybe full of resentment because you have been taking care of everybody around you for decades and you're not taking care of yourself and you start to you you're around these people that you love but you kind of can't stand at the same time and you think they're the problem and that they need to change and that everything would be better so basically and then it's also like the age related changes with your body are really difficult for women. I know it was really difficult for me. Um, no matter how much you exercise, like the cellulite's still there, the, you know, gravity takes hold of you. So it's like a whole process. It's a really big adjustment as you're getting older to actually live a life um, that's really full and um, satisfying, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I really agree because there, there's been so much talk, especially on a Huberman podcast, about the fact that women get totally dismissed when they talk about the symptoms of menopause to the doctors. Nobody's listening. But these are real symptoms and they do change your life. And you think, how come I'm eating the same, I'm exercising the same, everything is falling into pieces, nothing is working, my mind is not working, my skin is not working, nothing is working. And then you might have a partner who is not patient with it and thinks, oh yeah, I want a 
a different woman, you know, so we, we kind of lose this confidence as well because what's going on here? This is so sudden, the estrogen goes down and everything happens. And then, of course, we've been giving for all these years for the children to grow up. Then we, are, we might be empty nesters by 50. And um, we look back and we say, oh, yeah, when I was young, I used to have this dream. And I'll do this when the children are grown up and when the children are gone. And now I, I'm, I'm in this train. Everything is going and moving. And, we speak, and we are not part of this. We are just, I don't know, we're transported. It's like when, when a big truck passes you and they have all this air and they transport you <laughs> and you can't get out of it. It's just interesting, isn't it? And some people will feel like they got something there, but they cannot quite put their finger on it. And they might feel depressed. They might feel like lack of purpose and whatever. They might start being resentful to the partner. So you went through that as well. Is that something you want to share with us as well? Or maybe talking about a case? Yeah, well, 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 no, for sure. But it was also, I'm a stepmom. I wasn't able to have, I actually went through menopause in my late 30s and I'm 60 now. So this really isn't just about menopause. It's about, um, it's just age, it's age related changes in this society where youth is so valued and wisdom is not valued as much. And then we buy into that and then we don't value ourselves as much as we get older. So yeah, I had resentment for my husband, I had resentment for my stepdaughters, I had resentment for my siblings, I, I started to have resentment for everyone. But it was really like there was just I was getting to a point where I was ready to blow because I was people pleasing so badly. And I was taking care of everyone else and not myself. So it's not really and like my husband wasn't going anywhere like he he loves me and he has no issues with my age related changes. It's like an inside job. It's, it's And I do recognize that that does happen in marriages, but that's not my story. My story is more like on the outside, I had everything that you could want, but I felt this big void. And really, I kind of felt like a faded version of myself. I had no passion um, to do anything like exciting or um, really fun. And then it just like, it, it just started to, everything just started to feel flat. And just, it was, if I had to pick an emotion, that was primary, it would be um, like dissatisfied, like it, it just wasn't enough. Nothing was enough, but I didn't really know how to get what I wanted. I didn't even know that it was optional at the time because I didn't realize it all centered around brain BS and me believing things that weren't true that my mind was offering me. I didn't realize that it was optional to not believe Incredible. those thoughts. And so even with your humongous background, so knowing exactly how patterns develop and, you know, occupational therapy, so you know deep inside what the mind is doing. And then you are looking back and say, huh, something is missing here. So what was the process you used to, to understand what was going on and then, you know, untangle everything and eventually move forward to have his power back? Okay, so as an occupational therapist, we pay attention to people's activities of daily living and how they spend their lives. But we didn't really go into the subconscious and unconscious programming. So that that was like a, a more superficial layer. And then when I got certified as a life coach, I took it deeper. And then that's when, and that actually started with reading uh, New Earth by um, Eckhart Tolle and realizing that we're the observer of our thoughts and not our thoughts. And that kind of changed everything for me. And then that led to me getting certified as a life coach 
and really looking at what's going on in our minds. And the, so the first step I would say is that you have to separate fact from fiction in your mind. You have to realize that all these thoughts that you have and beliefs that you've had over and over again, that you have come to accept as factual, aren't. They're all made up. It's all a big story. It's all brain BS. You get to create whatever you want. And, but, if, but we don't realize that because we think that everything is factual and it's just the way it is. And we don't understand that we have the power to change that. So becoming, I do, I do brain drains where I write everything out and put it in front of me. And then it gives me an idea of why I'm in the state of mind I'm in. When I look at the emotion tied to each thought, it's like, oh, okay, this is why I'm feeling anxious or apprehensive. And it really allows me to become more self-aware when I do this. And then when I become more self-aware, I can choose what I want to believe or not. And when you have thoughts that come up, this there's like 60,000 a day and the majority of them are lies. When you have them come up and you're not believing them any longer, they really don't have an emotional hold on you. So that's what I would say is the first step. And uh, that's what I always preach, you know, from the height of clinical hypnotherapist experience is that we hear all these fancy stories, but all the other echoes of what whatever conclusions we have drawn in the past by you know listening to the media to our friends or things we saw even conclusions we made when we were young for example when i was younger uh, my grandmother was about 50 and she was literally in and out of a hospital all her life because she had all these heart issues and kidney issues and heart attack and it was like one after the other for years she was a very fighting woman and fiercely italian and doing everything but she was always ill so in my mind I thought wow when you are 50 you are done you are an old woman you know yeah I could see how that yeah that's what I'm talking about with the subconscious and unconscious programming and even if you don't consciously recognize that it's there it's there it was interesting and it took me years to see actually I always assumed that grandparents are old people at 50 but now I'm 59 just turned 59 last week and I'm like I feel amazing <laughs> you know she was very poor yes. and whatever but I can see that she was also stuck in a rut not doing what she always wanted to do because you know you follow this route of pleasing everyone and sometimes it's a little bit too much it's good to give because that gives us purpose but we also have something that we always like and want to follow and uh, this uh, toll and all the other people that wrote about the mind we have, what I always call the negative committee, and that's going on the whole day with the drums. You can't do that. You are too dumb to do this. You're not fit enough for that. You're not smart enough for this. You're too old for this. And it keeps going. And um, with my anxiety clients, yeah. I see that this drum is going the whole day. And, and I say, you know, you are the director here of the show. When the actor comes out, they're on the stage and they're saying blah, 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 blah. Just say, you know, negative committee, just shut up. Get out of here. I'm not listening. Yeah. Well, that's actually a good segue into the second step of what you do. You have to cultivate a loving relationship with yourself. And if you have a loving relationship with yourself, you are not going to be sabotaging yourself over and over and over again by believing this brain BS that comes up in your mind and selling yourself short. When we become aware of it and we hear how we talk to ourselves, I mean, I was talking so mean to myself and being so hard on myself and thinking that 
like this work and trying to be driven in a better person, but it wasn't like with love and compassion for myself. It was like in lack and you're not good enough and you need to get your, you know, get yourself together and figure this out so that you can be worthy of love and worthy of all these things that you want. So it was like a really um, negative bias, which we, our brains have. Um, for me to look at the relationship and the way I talk to myself. So becoming aware of that was really important. And then it made me it made me more aware, like giving is good, but it only depends on the energy you're giving from. If you're giving from a people-pleasing, resentful, I don't know how to say no, this is so uncomfortable, I can't take it perspective, then it's not good. Because the intention behind anything you do is way louder than the action that you take. So if you're if you're doing it because you're too uncomfortable to speak up for yourself and you're too uncomfortable to have your own back and make yourself a priority, that giving is negated. It really it's it's not really pure giving. It's it's giving for an outcome. And often for people pleasers, it's to feel comfortable because it's way more uncomfortable to wrap the Yes, boat. because all we do as humans, we're always looking for the feeling. I everything we do as a human is to have a feeling and not feel uncomfortable. If anything makes us feel uncomfortable, like somebody makes us feel guilty, mom, you've not helped me to do that. You are a terrible mom. Oh, I cannot let this happen. So I'm gonna spend the whole day doing this for my very grown up son or daughter. Otherwise we're gonna go on and on. And that's the thing, you end up being maybe stuck in a rut of doing something for the other people, but not. And then eventually you lose yourself how terrible it is to arrive to 30, 40, 50, 60, look back and see your husband, you know, plays golf, has um, the men's cave or the men's shed, and he goes out with the friends, goes to the bar, and you're there home, you have nothing left, you have nothing, because you did not have the courage to actually grab what you wanted, because you thought, no, but first I have to do something else. How do we do that? Yeah, well, and that's actually not, in my situation, my husband likes me to be home all the time. So for me to want to go do my own thing, um, is, there's a certain amount of guilt involved. And that kind of goes to um, another thing that you have to do is become aware of what I call your primary subconscious brain filters. And that's kind of like your lens of how you look at life. So you learn very early on what a relationship is supposed to look like and what a marriage looks like. And you adopt all those things that you learn and you kind of embed them in your DNA and then you and you don't realize that it's optional and that what your parents idea of a marriage doesn't have to be yours like you can actually have a different one but until you become aware that you're doing everything like you've been taught all these years until you become aware that you're looking at things like for me one of my primary brain filters was that i've been wronged so it puts me in a very victim mode so like when people around me are taking care of themselves i can view it as them wronging me and make it about me so now that I'm aware of that, it changes everything because I know I have a tendency to think somebody's doing something to me that they're not doing. And I am not the only one that has that filter. Actually, the majority of people think that things are happening to them that aren't. That's how I that's how I envision my life with my family when they everything we did was like as a family and we, we spent a lot of time together. And for me, as a stepmom, I love them, but I didn't want to spend as much time with them as my husband. Those are his kids and, and, and it's okay. And there was a lot of guilt around the fact that, well, I'm supposed to want to be with them if I was a good person. And it's just all made up. 
It's like, and so you can literally feel guilty about everything when you take care of yourself. I'm number nine out of 10 in my family. There's um, 10 kids. I'm the youngest girl. I was raised to take care of my parents and to take care of other people. And I was like the savior and the fixer in the family until I became aware that it's not my responsibility to do that. So those brain filters really have a, a, a huge impact on how you um, operate yeah. in life. I remember when I was doing my RTT training with Marissa Pierre a few years ago, and she always told us about this, we start coming up with an I'm not enough, um, the concept, let's say, since very, very young. And we tend to choose four different roles. I remember at least two. One is the carer. I take care of everyone, so then I'm good enough. And the other one was the rebel. If I'm a rebel and I destroy everything, then I'll get some attention. Then people will look at me, then I'll be important. And then one was the chronically ill person. If I'm always ill, people will love me. And it goes all like that. So we have this role, and they might change as we grow up in different, because all we want as humans is acceptance and love. And we think, oh, that's the way of getting it. But we don't think it consciously, do we? It's just very subconscious. Yeah, we're not even aware that it's there. So then so then the other part too is that you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I mean, you have to do that as you age anyway. We're going to experience a lot of discomfort whether it's physical or whether it's the loss of loved ones because news flash we're all going to die. Um even though we like to think that that's not going to happen, we're somehow going to um cheat death. It's going to happen to all of us. So getting comfortable with being uncomfortable then allows you to start taking actions. And for me, It started with, there was a Van Gogh exhibit in Chicago. We were in Chicago at the time, in the city, and we live in the northern suburbs. And because of COVID and a lot of different things, we hadn't been to the city in a long time. And I kind of lost my mojo for going by myself. I was like scared. This is a common thing with people after COVID. They get used to being at home and then it's hard to get themselves back out there. So for a year, I tried to get my husband to go to that exhibit. And he wouldn't, and I was getting frustrated and annoyed with him. And why doesn't he want to go when he knows it matters so much to me and blah, 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 blah. And then I finally went to the freaking exhibit on my own. And it was amazing because I just called an Uber. I went to the city and then I walked through the whole entire city up north, which he would have never done. He would not have wanted to do that. And it was amazing. And it started with that small action of me realizing I need to start doing things by myself. I need to start doing things on my own. And then that culminated in this year, I left on November 6th with a cross country trip from Chicago, where we have a home to our other home in Santa Barbara. We've had a house here for 10 years, never spent the winter here, never had our dogs here, because it just seemed like it would be such a hassle to get them here. They hate the car. Um, And I decided to do a cross country drive by myself. And so, and my husband freaked out. He was worried about safety. I don't like driving on the highway. The dogs hate the car. On the outside, it looked like a terrible idea, but my intuition told me to do it. And when I stepped into this personal power of that first step, and there was many steps after that, little things that I did by myself um, that I didn't need somebody else to do with me, it, it, helped me reclaim my personal power. And then this cross-country trip, I did it over a two-week period. I got to do what I wanted, when I wanted, however I wanted. For two weeks after being married to someone for 20 years, it was heaven. Nobody questioning why I like to do things this way or why it was so empowering to get from, to leave that driveway in California, scared, 
crying, not knowing what it was going to entail, and then pulling into the driveway in Santa Barbara. It was amazing. I never felt so capable or powerful in my entire life. Never mind reclaiming personal power. It was like the first time I ever really established it.、Mm. And you were proving to your mind, I can do things. I don't need people's approval. It was a normal thing. You haven't done anything like criminal. I just went from A to B. You know. Yeah, and you would think that I was doing like you know, going in some remote country with like no. Like, I mean, everyone was like telling me I could get. Really hurt. I could get raped. I could get killed as a woman traveling by myself. I mean, there was so much BS attached to me going on this trip. And the more people told me I shouldn't do it, and I mean, everybody was telling me not to do it. Even women were worried for me doing it. Not all women,、um, but the more they did that, the more I realized, no, I absolutely, my intuition would not tell me to do something that is going to hurt me. This is definitely going to be. This is going to be good for me, and、um, and I did it, and it's been amazing. And your life has changed. Yeah, yeah, my life has definitely changed because it's really our life is inside us. It's how we perceive the world. There, like, and you know, you know when you're doing this work that I'm doing, where you're reprogramming your subconscious and unconscious programming, you know it's working because your environment changes. If your environment's not changing, then you're not really implementing it, and you're not really absorbing it the way you think you are. But the fact that I left Chicago and ended up in Santa Barbara, and all these other things that I'm doing now, it's I'm like, okay, yep, I'm on track. And it's just like you just keep moving forward, one little thing after another, and you do more things on your own. And now I don't feel like a faded version of myself anymore. I feel like the best version of me. My brothers and sisters ask, "What's the best year of your life that you could go back to?" And we have a thread because there's ten of us, so we always communicate. And、um, I said, literally, I would I would not go back. Sixty is the best year. I turned sixty, which is the impetus for all this. It's the catalyst that got all this started. And it was like for me, I always said, sixty is my my cutoff of where I'm going to be tolerating things and. And not doing what I really want, <clears throat> and it's in my subconscious programming that that was going to happen. So now I'm really changing my life at sixty. Yes, so good for me. I only have twelve months to go, and I'll be sixty. Sixty is awesome. And the thing is, we keep thinking people are old, but the, the more I get to these ages, I see. Well, what does it mean to be old? One thing is to be sick. One thing is to have lost purpose. One thing is to be depressed. Very different. But being old means nothing because, in certain society, like in Italy and in Japan, for example, and there are others, the the older you are, the more wisdom you have to share. So people will sit and listen to you because you are so wise because you've done so much. And in so so many other societies and、um, industrialized world. We tend to put people away, you know, from forty. You're just too old. Let's get the new people in, the young people in. But actually, the people who are past the thirty and forty, we got all this experience here, and so much wisdom to share. And we should prize it like gold because it's so important, and it can give you a richness of life at any stage, whether it's for me or for my grandchildren. For I don't have any, but. Yeah, so I think it's how we look at ourselves and we say, "Wow, now I'm fifty. I can do this. I can do that. I 
no longer have a problem of XYZ and I can now embrace this new thing and certainly they will improve whether we are single or in a relationship or married it will improve because we are happier right yeah yeah <clears throat> well that's like you so that's like questioning that programming that's what you just did right there and that's that's what we have to do and it's really we think it's society's norms and all that but we've bought into them and so we're 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 living those out but when we stop believing them and we realize we can do whatever we want like there was a part of me that when i got to this work a few years ago that wished i had come to it earlier that my whole life could be kind of different and i could be further along but then i've come to this realization that what makes me so powerful is that i am 60 that i'm doing this at 60 and i can be a role model I can be a role model for my stepdaughters. I can be a role model for my podcast audience. I can be a role model for all my clients, for just society in general. And it's like tapping into that leadership energy and really believing in yourself and that you can make a difference. That like that's everything to me and that is like and it's also like I love my family and I love my friends, but I tend to live life at a deeper level. Like I look past the personality to the soul. and i feel like we're here for a mission and a purpose and that also helps me to stay um focused and tapping into that like how could i ever feel invisible anymore it's not even possible for me to feel that because i've made such a transformation inside but on the outside i'm still the same person other people looking at me would have no idea except they feel it right because it's energy and and it's it's a whole different dynamic now in all my relationships because i'm in this place so this fire is lighting and helping you to move forward so what are your quick tips for anyone who is feeling stuck in a rut and they want to feel this power coming back okay well i'm going to tell you the first one and you're not going to like it the audience isn't going to like it but it's learning how to set healthy boundaries and reinforcing them consistently so like the most uncomfortable work i have ever done hands down it's so hard to do but it is so worth it and it's an absolute must and then the second part is you have to quiet yourself down and you need to be able to tell the difference between your mind and your intuition because your intuition is never going to put you or send you in the wrong direction and it doesn't it doesn't get really loud it doesn't get really forceful it's just in there it's calm it comes up in your mind and if you're open to it and you're able to hear it it will take care of you but often we get derailed by our mind and thinking that we have to do things and a good sign of knowing that it's your mind is if there's urgency and there's it's requiring you to force things and try to make things happen before it's time and then that brings me to the to the next one which is trusting the process uh you you have to trust the process once you figure out you but you have to do the work first to get to the point where you can trust yourself to make the decisions about everything in your life because if i didn't trust my decisions i wouldn't have gotten in the car and driven across the country and reclaimed my personal power in a major way because i would have listened to the people around me and that oh this isn't a good idea you're right safety's an issue the brain's always going to try to keep us small and safe in the same and it's our job not to listen to it and be selective about how we come out of the cave and um choose what we want to achieve. That's amazing. 
these are great things that we can put into practice now we are in a new year everyone has goals and one of the goals we might have is to become who we are supposed to be because we all have a purpose we're not born out of fresh air we're not two cells that ended up here on the ocean and now we became from a fisherman we have a purpose we are divine beings with a huge potential to bless ourselves bless everyone else give and get because you know it's an energy it has to come and it has to go and if we just give 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 but we never nourish our soul our temperament and something that we really like then we're just gonna shrivel and die so something is not right so thank you so much for sharing this very important message of you know having this light from inside and it's this light that makes us so magnetic so important so not important as such but important for ourselves and important for the world because then we can shine better because we know we matter even if we're not as thin as young as beautiful it doesn't matter it's living with a purpose isn't it yeah it's yeah, incredible. it's a life can be amazing at 60. I didn't think that a few years ago I was dreading 60. And who are we to dread being alive at 60? Like, that's yeah. so crazy, too. That's brain BS. Yeah. So thank you so much, Maureen, for being with us today, because it was such a pleasure to talk about a really important topic. So I hope that uh, we can put some links under the episode so people can reach you if they want a coaching session with me, with you, with whoever, but you are re- right here now. So you can help people to find out exactly who they are and where they want to head and how to get there. Isn't that amazing? That's how we create the life that we want. That's the whole purpose of my show, to give you the chance to step back and say, hey, how do I create this happiness? It's me. I can't wait for my husband, wife, children to create the happiness. It's me. I have to do it. Yes. Yep. That's it in a nutshell. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that we have this chat. And please, if you guys found this chat to be useful for you, please click share, like, write a review, and contact Maureen, Kafkis, or contact me for any questions that you have so you can take the conversation further. Thank you so much, and I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. You listen to Create with Franz Sydney.
You've listened to Create with France Sydney.